For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Well, hey, hi, welcome back. Happy Friday. It is Good Game Nice Try. I'm Sonia and joined by my co-host who is shoving his face in the webcam, giving me a full view of his cornea, um, Aaron Blair. You know what I feel like? I've been really lackadaisical about Zoom bits. I think when Mm. we first started this pandemic, we all got on Zoom. We're all talking to each other remotely. There's so many bits. We're all doing bits. Oh, look at my funny background. Oh, I recorded myself coming in and giving myself tea. All this stuff. Oh, I go down and then I come up and I'm going down the stairs. The elevator, the stairs. Classics. Classics. Over a year in this pandemic and we've all just given up our Zoom bits. Did you have any Zoom bits you started? I mean, I just got really into uh, virtual backgrounds. Um, Although the problem being, I would throw something on and then forget to take it off and then join a like way more important meeting. Uh (laughs) And I would stroll up into something really serious and I'm in the middle of an in and out. But um, it's (laughs) it's whatever, (laughs) you know, neither here nor there. (laughs) Can I tell people about very early on when we first started working together, the uh the Than- the Thanos thing. Can I tell people about this? <laughs> Absolutely. So when you and I first started doing this podcast, <laughs> and we didn't know each other very well because we didn't know each other before this podcast. Right. And now you're regretting every moment of our right. friendship. But correct. Yes. We. I don't remember how this came up, and I. It's. I'm just. I'll say it's probably my fault. But we were talking about Thanos. And we're talking about I oh you know what it was around this time Josh Brolin had tweeted out a photo of Thanos and his <laughs> his bare butt his like you're you're really underselling it it was like okay. a massive juicy ass <laughs> okay <laughs> I really want to get fully it was full description the Mad Titans Mad Ass Thank is you. basically what it was and so we were talking about this and you and I speaking of Zoom and speaking of gaming. You know, we have these gaming setups and, and we have these lights and these there are these hue lights that you can change the color mm-hmm. and change it, you know, red, blue, all these different things and, and combinations. And there is the, you could put, upload a photo and hue will take that photo and give it the perfect background, like the perfect yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it looks at, it takes the photo and then it picks like the top color, like the most prominent colors from it. Yeah. And then it, it spreads it across all of your hue lights. So right. you have your you have the essence of that photo. That's right. In your room. That's right. And I think how it went down I think is 
I got, I think I bought you like a, a blanket with Thanos's ass on it. Like a huge blanket with, ju- with just his ass, like a huge. giant ass blanket. Um, <laughs> and then I think the next time we talked, you had changed your lights. You had uploaded Thanos's ass, his juicy ass into the light app. Uh-huh. And so now you had the blanket with the, with the color scheme. It's a shrine. It's a shrine to Thanos's ass. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. Um, and that's probably the best Zoom bit that's ever happened, I think, in the history of the world. That was it was it was pretty good, but not as good as um, I was just checking on my my Hue app. Um, I also have one that I you can't really see it. But in the bottom corner, it says Rashy. OK, Rashy. And it's a photo of your face <laughs> um, okay. where you said that you looked Rashy and uh, we have. A oh, hue, yeah, look at that. Oh <laughs> we have my a God. hue palette based on your rashy face. That's amazing. That I can wow. I can change at any any time. Holy shit. When you're yes, that's both disturbing and very sweet, I think. The future is now. The future is now. I you know what? I, I honestly I think what we're learning from this conversation is you and I are Renaissance people. We're Renaissance mm. people. We our interests are varied. We're into lights, we're into music, we're into games, we're into streaming, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I think, you know, our guest today, also a Renaissance person, uh, but an actual Renaissance person who's doing things in many different disciplines. Our guest today, he is a video game designer and he's had a huge hand in creating massively successful games, including, you might have heard of it, Unreal and Gears of War. He is so talented and has had a massive impact on the gaming industry over the years. Enjoy our interview with Cliff Blazinski. Well, Cliff, I'm so excited to talk to you today. What's up? I'm just hang, hanging out here in my VR space, you know? Yeah. Hey, so are we kind of on Zoom right now. Yeah, I was talking to you on, tw- on Twitter last night about this. I haven't done a lot of this kind of stuff recently, so I am a little nervous, so bear with me. I, I think you guys know each other. You guys you guys kind of uh, have a little history. How did you guys yeah. meet? I think the, well, we met, we met virtually online. Like basically if somebody is like, you know, like a influencer or a cool personality, I just, or a game developer, I just, I follow them on social media, right? Um, then I, I followed Sonia. And I think the first time I met you was at, was it the PC Gamer Show in that theater in downtown Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah, yeah cause into because you were doing a fantastic job hosting, and I was I sent you a message like, "Wow, you're really really good." And um, you know, I I had done my bit, and then you came out, and I was like, "Oh, this is my wife Lauren, and this is Firefox." And you confidently looked at her and, and extended your hand and said, "Hi, I'm Sonia. Pleasure to meet you." Oh, <laughs> you make me sound way more regal in person. <laughs> and, uh, than- <laughs> did you did you actually come to the big dummy out party at one point? Yeah, a couple times. That's right. Yeah, a couple it's, times. It's, sorry, actually. those are an entire blur. You get me around. They're, you get me around Justin Roiland and Alex Hirsch, and just the alcohol know. flows <laughs> way too fast. It's it's a blur. It yeah. is honestly just a blur. It's a tornado. Don't, don't, but don't actually, you, don't you miss conventions? I honestly, I miss conventions, but I mostly just miss the big dumb yacht party. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. That's kind of the that's the peak of of Comic Con. Yeah. So for those of you who, who don't know, um, <laughs> I became good friends with Justin Roiland from, uh, of course, Rick and Morty, and now Solar Opposites, which is quite good, mm-hmm. uh, and Squanch Games, uh, and Alex Hirsch. Um, who did Gravity Falls? He actually worked on Mitchell's uh, versus the Machines, which yes. is on Netflix and is freaking the best animated movie uh, I've seen in five years. It is so good. Great. Um, 
but we basically we got together and uh, they they were doing this for a while. They would rent a yacht at Comic Con and throw a party with like you know just interesting people. It doesn't necessarily have to be celebrities, but you know just cool people. And uh, you know like one year they're like, hey, do you want to be like a co sponsor? Because it's it's not the cheapest thing, but it ultimately <laughs> wound, wound up being like, one, wound up being one of the coolest like parties. Like Machine Gun Kelly, uh, Eric Andre, uh, like the cast of Game of Thrones, Weird um, Al, yeah, Weird, Weird Al, Al showed up at one point, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's just like you know uh, Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos and the cast of Riverdale, like all these this crazy, is, this crazy it's like a dream of, I had once. Yeah, it's like oh my god, fever. <laughs> it is dream. a fever dream. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's just like for me, I, I don't get to run in those circles very often, and because I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, so when I get to dip out to like a New York event or an LA event, like I, I get to be in those circles, and it's incredibly exciting. And then go back to my sleepy little southern town and try and you know keep the state blue. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh, so basically, I just spent you know I've been you know kind of hanging out like you know I like I get in two modes. I either get in like video gaming mode or I get in like uh, reading mode. And like towards the tail end of winter here in North Carolina, the winters aren't too bad. I was just all about my switch, like, you yes. know, and everything. And uh, a little bit of the, the history with that was it was my saving grace because and I, it's going to get a little dark for a second. Um, the last year and a half, my wife and I had to go back to suburban uh, Louisiana because her mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Um, mm-hmm. And she unfortunately passed in December. Um, and it was it was rough on all of us. Um but the silver lining was, you know, I had a lot of time to reflect and think. Uh, you know, I busted out my memoir, uh, which is in the hands of Simon and Schuster right now, and wow. basically my switch w- kept me sane. But the, the big thing about the memoir that my takeaway for that was, uh, you know, I feel creative again. You know, and it's yeah. it's essentially a love letter to the video game industry. You know, because I, I literally was the kid in the '80s in New England, like Stranger Things, like playing the Atari, <laughs> the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and going to the arcade with a, a pocket full of French burnt peanuts and a bunch of quarters, right? Yeah. And then you know, kind of wanting to get into the industry. And then you know, Tim Sweeney and Mark Rain took a chance on a you know bright-eyed and bushy-tailed seventeen-year-old who was you know eager to work and, and work his butt off of the video game biz. And then you know you know, started my own studio that didn't work out. Um, but I, the thing is that, you know, I've, I, I, I tweeted a while back that I'm working on new stuff and everybody immediately assumed it would be a game. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, it's possible to kind of make IP, you know, as something as a graphic novel or, you know, a screenplay or oh, a short yeah. story or something that yes. could potentially be a Netflix series could potentially be whatever, right. It doesn't necessarily have to be a game. I mean, ga- games will always have my heart. But um, it's one of those things I've seen firsthand, the budgets, I've seen, you know, the, the stress that the industry causes, got my first gray hairs when I started my, my studio boss key. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I just, if I ever were to make another video game, it, it would have to be kind of on my own terms, right? Yeah. And, and one thing Sonny and I discuss a lot is, you know, we like to think of ideas as water and they can take the shape of the vessel that you pour them into. And so that could be a game. That could be a, a Broadway play, a musical. That could be a, a short story. And so that's that's the really exciting thing. And I think that's what's so fascinating, too, about video games and, and your career having started so early at 15 and now how it's become such a venue for uh, or an art form of storytelling. And yeah, now, right, your next project, like what are the things you're excited about right now? So idea-wise, um, the, the thing that excites me about what I want to do next is that it's not really the stuff that's been in my wheelhouse. You know, mm-hmm. like, it, you know, I have ideas for video games that aren't shooters, because, you know, even going back to jazz, Sonia, um, you know, mm-hmm. jazz, jazz was- Which I want to talk about for sure. <laughs> was, it was technically a shooter. And actually, well, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, and so the other thing is, you know, there's a, a movie thing that I might be, you know, noodling on with a, a very prominent Hollywood producer. Um, he described sometimes the process in Hollywood as sometimes you just will things into existence, right? Mm-hmm. And my, my, my thing the last few years has been infiltrating other industries. 
you know, I'm fortunate enough to co-own two restaurants in town. Uh, learning the the secret to the restaurant business is to own the land, much like that movie The Founder with Michael Keaton about the McDonald's empire and Ray Kroc, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, seeing, you know, the behind the scenes of how Broadway's uh, plays and musicals are capitalized, you know, the, the machinations of the Tonys. Um, you know, I co-produced uh, – the revival of uh, Terrence McNally's Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune with Michael Shannon and Audra McDonald. Um, and it's nominated for Best Revival. And the fun fact is if it wins the Tony, I will get this, the, the trophy, but you actually have to pay for the fucking trophy. So that's, <laughs> Wait, that's what? how it works. Yeah, it's really how it works. Is um, it expensive? I'm uh, guessing. Uh, probably a few grand, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, so I just, you know, I, I've been incredibly lazy, but somehow incredibly busy at the same time. I would definitely not say incredibly lazy. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's been so exciting to see you, um, like you're saying, kind of branch out into different industries that aren't in your wheelhouse. Like when I saw you tweeting and sharing about um, getting into Broadway, uh, it's something new and it's so exciting. I just, I, I, Broadway is finally going to start reopening in September. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm also uh, invested in uh, the Mrs. Doubtfire musical, which should be good. <gasps> and one of the that things that I cool. love. Like I've I've got my wife hooked on musicals, um, you know the Mean Girls musical, Dear Evan Hansen, Hamilton, Six, Six is amazing. Six is reopening in September. Uh, it's the story of Henry the Eighth, Six Wives, and it is it's basically an hour and a half uh, historical Spice Girls concert, right? <laughs> so and, oh it, it, and it, it is just filled with earworms of the wazoo. So um, it's Love just it. it's one of those things that you know um. You know, I, I a lot of people know me for the video games that I've done, uh, but I, I love just exploring other businesses and, and, you know, infiltrating, you know, Broadway, Hollywood and everything and beyond. Right. Yes, absolutely. Plant a lot of seeds. And, to, you know, again, uh, with your you know most prominence being in gaming and in the video game industry, that's how I became to know you way before uh, way before we knew each other actually to go way, way, way back, the beginning of my gaming career, my gaming period, my interest in gaming, the first video game I ever played was Jazz Jackrabbit on DOS. Oh, I didn't, I didn't actually, I, I knew you loved it, but I didn't know that it was actually the first one. That was the first intro to gaming I've ever played Aww. on my, my grandpa's old DOS computer yep. way, way back. And, um, you know, Jazz Jackrabbit, Commander Keen, oh, yeah. um, Crystal Caves, Wolfenstein, all of it back in the day. But yeah, that was the first game I ever played that really got my interest sparked in video games and kind of kicked off everything for me. So, you know, flash forward, um, you know, going into coding and trying to learn how to develop video games um, and then stumbling into streaming and everything <laughs> taking off there. We actually met at, I think it was a PC game. It might've been like a PC gamer after show or like a E3 after show. It must've been 2015, maybe, or oh, 2014. It was way before. Before the anecdote that I just mentioned, where I yes. introduced you to Lauren? This is way earlier. And I, I happened to, I saw you and I recognized you. And I was like, God, I love Jazz Track. I'm like, I have to say something. I have to say something to him. So I, I went up to you and I, you know, I would assume that a lot of people, especially at that time, kind of knew you for Gears of War. And that's, um, you know, what well, most I, I, people I can tell the age of a person who's a fan of my work by saying what they grew up with, right? <laughs> You know, I grew up with Unreal Tournament. I grew up with Jazz Jackrabbit. I, I, you, yep. know, uh, you know, lawbreakers deserved a better shot, that kind of stuff, right? But yeah. <laughs> did, so so you came up and said hi, I, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah. I came up. I said hi. I was like, hey, like, I, I, I don't mean to bug you. Like, I just wanted to say something. But, like, I love Jazz Jackrabbit. And I remember you were so stoked. You were so stoked. Again, I assume that most people are like, oh, like a coming up, hey, I love Gears and everything. But yeah. I remember we we shot the shit about, uh, about Jazz Jackrabbit for like a brief moment. And I was like, internally, that was such a crazy full circle moment for me, especially with Jazz being the first game I've ever played in my life and then coming up in the industry and making, you know, the success that I, I, I had and then meeting you. 
and having it be such a weird full circle moment. That well, was so I'm, surreal. I'm, I'm, I'm happy I wasn't an asshole. Um, <laughs> you were a good one. You were a good one. <laughs> well, it, it's a funny thing. Like, you know, I'll never forget, you know, Tim Sweeney sent me the early version of that editor uh, that Ariane Brisset, the Dutch programmer, had done. And it was going to be kind of like that old school game Turrican that was on the Amiga, right? Um, and I wasn't that good of an artist ever. Like I, I had to do like the majority of my, my artwork was really, really bad. And so I eventually partnered with Nick Stadler who did the animations and everything like that. Um, but the thing is, is, you know, I, I, I wanted to be in the industry so bad and I will never forget the first time I cobbled together some graphics in my crudely drawn rabbit. And I had some sound effects of like the springs and things like that. And like that, that feeling of like creation, you know, like, and then on the seventh day he rested kind of vibe, right? Um, <laughs> actually, Sony, you should tell the anecdote of that, that old disc that I sent you, by the way, that'd be really interesting to mention. Do you remember that? Yeah, I still have it. Actually, I was I was going to dig it out, but I'm like, am I allowed to say that I have this? <laughs> I mean, it's whatever. But the thing is, you found some obscure other game art that like nobody knew what it was. And you'd sent yeah. it to me like, what the hell is this? And so I have no idea what it was. Yeah, you had given me like an old floppy disk and I had a floppy disk reader and I was pulling this. It was kind of corrupted, but I pulled this weird game off of it and it was like Harry Jack and something. And yeah. I have no no idea what it was, but it was like this uh, little dude and a, a side scroller. I have no <laughs> idea, but I'm like, I found this weird gem lost in this like in this floppy disk, lost in time. It was unreal. It was. Good. <laughs> I don't know the th the thing about the video game industry is it's it, it can be really good to you. It can also like you know it attracts people who are essentially the the developers. They're the ones who weren't going to prom usually. Right mm -hmm. there, it's the, the and I describe it as kind of the land of misfit toys, but they, mm -hmm. they just want to create. You know, it takes a certain kind of person that can sit in front of a computer for 12 hours a day and code or create an eight trillion triangle character mesh, right? Absolutely, yeah. And just you know, I have a soft spot for developers, you know, but we're in the world now where you know, I honestly believe the era of the rock star game designer is dead. I really think what the, the if you look at your average kid right now, who, who what do they want to do? Who do they want to be? They want to be a YouTuber, or a TikToker, or a streamer, or a, or an esports person, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the only thing that bothers me about that whole thing is when you know these these people who are hustling and I respect esports, I respect streaming, I respect all of it. When they start making m money hand over fist more than the de develop developers that created the content, mm -hmm. and that's a, that's an industry problem, you know. And that's the thing is, uh, you know, Tim Sweeney was very good to me, you know. He you know the ample bonuses, things like that. Tim knew to, to share and spread the wealth. Uh, not a lot of studios are like that. You know, you keep hearing about Bobby Codex yeah, from Activision. It's just ridiculous amount of money he's getting, you know, and it's just like Call of Duty keeps cranking along and, you know, the industry is good, but it also has its warts, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I, I completely agree. And, and it's one of those things where I, I feel like, and I, I think this happens in kind of every creative industry. I think we saw this, uh, you know, we're having a big revival right now in television because of these streaming services and this stuff. And now yeah, it, everything's a silo now. Everything's a silo, right? And 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 kind of, you know, everything old is new again and et cetera, et cetera, and on and on. But um, I, I do think it's one of those things where things blow up and blow up and blow up and get big, 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 big. And then they can't sustain themselves. And then it kind of crumbles. And then you see what comes from the ashes here, like in a forest fire, are these little saplings and, and things that are springing up. A lot of my favorite ideas and a lot of my favorite games right now are indie games being made by these people, by one or two person teams. Well, that, that was that was the bender that I went on in my Switch, right? Like, you know, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I just downloaded Rain in Your Parade. Uh, I, I'd, I'd actually type up the list to remember it. I played Ruiner, a top-down shooter, really, really oh, cool. Yeah. Cyberpunk vibe, Ghost Runner, uh, first-person ninja kind of game, really cool. Um, 
and Hades was obviously, of course, great. Um, it's amazing how like, you know, what's the, the what's, there's a, a game I think on like PlayStation 5 that has that roguelike elements that's a AAA. I can't recall. My, my wife's really interested in it. I can't remember. The, oh, is Retur- it Retur- Returnal? Returnal? Yeah, yeah. yeah Returnal? Returnal yeah. Is that yeah, a, yeah. With an L, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, uh, but Celeste, Celeste is mm. one of the best games of all time. Like, um, that is like, in my, it's so funny because I love these brutal platformers, right? Like Shovel Knight and things like that, right? And like Dead Cells, yeah. I learned years ago that if uh, my my palms get sweaty, it's a good game. Right? <laughs> I love the, that. the sweat test. The sweat exactly, test. exactly. And I like, it's so funny because you know I'd sit there with my Switch playing Celeste, and Celeste's Celeste's. I don't know if you played. It's the most butt clenching platform game, oh, right? And you have vicious. to be surgical in that thing. And like, apparently, there's a cheat mode where you can get extra jumps and everything to make the game easier. I'm like, no, fuck that. Nah, like, nah. We're going, you know, super Go super deep into this, right? Um, <laughs> and just uh, just crushingly difficult. And I was talking on Twitter about you know people who make the Super Mario Maker levels, right? And it's become this like trolling thing where people are making these levels that are literally impossible to beat, right? And like it's like that's not the same as Celeste. Celeste has that perfect balance, that give and take, that crispness. And, the, and you know, I always said good good game design is when you blame yourself for failing, not the game itself, right? Wow, and, yeah. And I, like I, I I finally went back to Super Meat Boy, and I, I got all the way through it until the last level, and I was like, no, I, I can't even. I, so I, I that's literally <laughs> that one thing. She's like, you need. My wife's like, you need to beat Super Meat Boy. I'm like, no, I'm good. I, you know, I got far enough. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess on the on the train of Celeste and games that you feel have done really, really, really exceptionally well with game design, I guess in the last couple of years that have come out, what would you say is has been most notable? I think Hades. Yeah. Is, is pretty fantastic. It, um, there's a game I think it's called Underminer. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those roguelike ones, top down. Um, that one is one of those ones where, you know, you, you know, you die, you kind of, you know, repeat, live, die, repeat, you know, um, with the roguelike elements. Um, but to, to be honest, I haven't been playing much AAA, you know, I honestly, um, my wife, uh, on her Xbox one, she got the, um, was it Outriders or whatever? The one by people can okay. fly, yeah. which is supposed to be a pretty cool little, uh, loot and shoot. Um, so we're going to fire that up. But uh, these days I'm all just about, you know, dabbling in games on my PC and my switch. You know, we don't even have the new consoles yet. You know, because also have to figure out how we're going to fit them into our like server racks. That's going to be another task. <laughs> right. It's a good I just, problem to have. I, I just, yeah. I'm all about these just like little retro platform games like Shuffle Knight and everything like that these days. And, you know, my favorite thing to do is, you know, now that we can go into public a bit, you know, vaccination buddies um, hey. is, you know, to just sit at a pub, you know, with a drink and just play my Switch. And Lauren's, you know, playing her Switch or, you know, she's still on fucking pokemon go by the way she's like level 48 she she, she has like two she has like two accounts like and two phones it's ridiculous man (laughs) i love it and it's actually a funny thing like you think about pokemon as an ip right so i remember in my mid-20s you know first visiting my nephew who is like eight and he's like you know going around the house like we got to catch pokemon like what the fuck's this kid talking about right and then you know to be at e3 back in the day and to see that um volkswagen bug that they made to look like pikachu driving around the la convention center (laughs) which apparently you could buy it's not too too expensive there's uh, like a handful of yeah there's a handful of them out there wow so you're like driving around town a little pikachu car right that's so cool But uh, yeah. but yeah, so then, then you know, also like you know, like she showed me the Pokemon, the first movie, bold, bold, bold move, by the way, to say that. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm a child of the '80s, and when Optimus Prime died, Optimus Prime was fucking dead, right? Yeah. But in yeah. the Pokemon movie, when Ash uh, dies, you know, Pikachu's tears revive him, yeah. right? And it's like they and never die. Yeah, this is the start of the, everyone gets a trophy generation. Damn it! Yeah, um, <laughs> that's that's the moment it started. Yeah, but so my you know my I was first shits and giggles. My wife and I on, on Netflix has the first season of Pokemon. It's like fifty five episodes or so, 
And so I did this thing like, you know, months ago, you know, when we were in lockdown where I was like, you know, doing a recap and like, and I'd like kind of like make notes every night, you know, like watching this and, you know, we're basically going to dress as Jesse and James from Team Rocket for Halloween this year. And you have to yes. do like the whole like uh you know Jesse looks like we're in a little bit of trouble you know and, and <laughs> I, I love it I, I please can you please just as a favor to Sonia and I make a Broadway musical of Pokemon please 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 that 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 would be a no brainer right um, no brainer no brainer the, the, have you have you seen the Mean Girls musical I, I have want not. to oh it's it's great when when the plastics first show up it's like you know yes. the, the the music swells and like I I hadn't seen it and like the, the crowd lost their shit right. Um, and so again, look it up on YouTube. It's, it's fantastic, but it's like one of those things, like if team rocket were to come out, you know, like, you know, <laughs> prepare yeah. for trouble and make it double. Right? <laughs> Everyone. Blah! Exactly. You know, and the, with that hair. Yeah. You could do like, even like a lion King or an Avenue Q type thing where you could have, you know, you could actually yeah, yeah, have yeah. the Pokemon. Well, there the the thing could... about musicals that I've learned is that, you know, I hate to use that term for quadrant, but you know, it has to kind of play to the young and the old. And that's why shows like, you know, phantom unrequited love is universal. Right. Um, but you look at dear Evan Hansen, you know, which is such an amazing show. I, I sobbed the entire time about a, you know, a misanthrope that kills himself and the, the the kid who has anxiety who's writing letters to himself and there's a big misunderstanding where the, the kid's parents who killed himself assume that Evan Hansen knew the kid and was friends and it, it's a lie that spins out of control and everything like that. It plays to the kids and the parents, right? Um, I, I always also say with Broadway, it also has to play with the Ohio crowd, right? Mm. And, you know, there's a musical that came out called Be More Chill, uh, which is really targeted towards high school kids, but it really had a limited run on Broadway because it was just the, the high school kids, right? You know, and that's that's the thing. It's like one of the ones that I would love to see find a way to produce would be a Scott Pilgrim musical. Oh, I think. man. But Scott Pilgrim's having a re-release in theaters right now because it did, it, Edgar Wright's a genius and it did not get the fair shake that it deserved, right? Because it's a brilliant movie. Yeah, and it, even the game too. Like the game yeah. is, uh, I haven't I haven't played through it, but I've heard that it's fantastic. I, I bought it. I just haven't yeah. made the time to play it. And they, oh, I they think just, it's kind of a Streets of Rage style brawler, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And didn't they re-release it or have DLC or something recent? There was something recent. I yeah, think I kind so, of re- yeah. relaunched it. He was, um, uh, yeah, he also wrote this uh, great book called Seconds. Um, which oh. is about a, a woman who has a restaurant and she, you know, tries to open a second spot and it's very heartfelt, very cool, you know, now that I'm in the restaurant business a bit. Um, and he also did this big called uh, uh, a comic book called Snot Girl, uh, which is oh. about a, this, 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 this really pretty girl who's a fashion blogger, but when she gets nervous, she, she you know, snot comes out of her nose. Um, <laughs> and the, the art is just fantastic. And so, you know, I'm just... You know, I, the thing is, is, you know, we, I can geek out about video games all day long, but I also, I'm just a lover of pop culture. And that's one of the reasons why I, I absolutely fucking love Comic-Con. Like Comic-Con mm-hmm. for me is, is the culmination of everything and cosplay and, you know, TV, film, you know, video games, you know, comic totally. books, all that nerdy stuff. And that's, you know, like when Comic-Con was canceled, when COVID hit, I was literally in tears. By the way, I was at Comic-Con also. We did, Conan did shows down there. Conan, Conan got involved with, with Comic-Con like it, 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 it so... Late night hosts that are savvy understand that nerd and, and video game culture are big. That's why Conan, you know, enlisted you for the clueless gamer stuff, That's right? right yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, a great way to reach, you know, the younger demographic. Like, you right. know, and they, they, you know the, for the past 10 years, you know, they've all finally kind of woken up to that, right? Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. 
We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at the coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. I mean, let's let's talk virtual reality. Do you have any interest in venturing into the VR space at all? Well, so when Bosky was starting to crater a little bit, um, you know, we we had a, a few VR pitches, like a couple mm-hmm. ideas, right? One of the ideas was a game that was. Uh, did you ever see the movie, the Brad Pitt World War II movie Fury about the tank crew? Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. It it shows World War II as as violent. I hate PG thirteen World War II movies, right? Um, <laughs> basically, you know, it's about this tank crew, and I had this idea of like a VR tank crew, but the tanks are are kind of like Zoids. Do you remember the, the the old school kind of big walking cats that were robots, right? And so, but it was going to be dogs. So, like you know, you'd have like it, it, not literally, right? But just you know, kind of like adats, but kind of like you know, at, you know, five versus five versus five wow. versus five, right? Cool. So it was, and it was called it was called dog walkers. It's it's uh. for d- destructive ordnance on the ground, right? Um, wow. had concept art done for things like that, you know, like wow. in VR, like, you know, tossing wrenches to repair things, you know, and all this crazy stuff. Right. And then also the other one was a game called, uh, we were codenaming donuts, uh, not like the, you know, uh, Homer Simpson donuts, but like, you know, in- inner tubes. Right. And it was essentially kind of a, a VR version of the game, uh, Tubin, the, the, the old arcade game, whereas yeah. people had inner tubes. Right. And I had this vision of like an E3 or a PAX seeing people sitting in actual inner tubes with like VR headsets on, like paddling furiously using uh. the VR controls and like throwing, you know, shaking up and throwing beer cans at each other, smashing them in their heads, you know, <laughs> skimming them across the wow. water, trying to, trying to pop the other people's donuts and things like that. And everybody would, would, their avatar would be like animals. Right. And so, and basically it was also a stealth solution for seasonal affective disorder. Cause it was going to be this bright sunny river because you know, the winters in North Carolina aren't too bad, but I do get it, you know, because somehow Monday is always fucking rainy. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> so I found, you know, when I was actively involved with, you know, VR and, uh, Full disclosure, I was fortunate enough to be an investor in Oculus, uh, which was the greatest investment of my entire adult life. But to actually put a VR headset on and to be on a beach in the middle of of a a dreary winter day really does actually help. And so the thing is, is we were asking for funding for the VR games for about three to five million dollars, which for a video game budget is not much. And all the powers that be that, you know, Sony and and HTC and whatnot and, and, and Oculus, they're like too rich for my blood. And I'm sitting here going like, guys, you have more money than God. You you want the Ready Player One metaverse? That's what everybody's gunning for. You're not going to get that. Beat Saber is cool, but it's I, I like that. That's what you're the main thing you're advertising. Like, where's my my social shared social experience? Where's the World of Warcraft yeah. for VR? You know, that's that's what we need to kind of get to, right? And you know, I don't want my main thing is I don't want to sweat in VR. You know, I don't want my headset getting disgusting. You know, right. like, and, I like my VR experiences to be somewhat leisurely, right? So, I uh, you know, we again this so the room behind me. It used to be our formal dining room, you know, like that you basically never use. And so I'm like, we, we, are, we have a kitchen table over there. Why the, why the fuck are we going to use this, right? Yeah. And so we shipped the table to my my, uh, my wife's brother and her, her, her sister-in-law. And uh, and so now it's just this this void in the house where, you know, for, for VR. And one of my favorite things to do with VR is to, and I hate, to, it sounds vulgar, but it's to pop people's VR cherry. You know, like people who've yes. never done VR. That is like, one of my, um, I think I tweeted it kind of recently. One of my top favorite things of all time is putting someone in VR for the very first time. I yep. put somebody's mom in the Quest 2 uh, a couple weeks ago for the in first VR time. Phase. 
Yeah, no, it's it's unreal. And I I only put her in the loading screen where you're kind of in this um like I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of the void, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of a void, but you're in this uh I don't know, sandy looking loungy area. There's like egg chairs and a beautiful uh sky and everything. And I just loaded her in there just to kind of grasp the concept and look around and yeah. just being blown away at that. It's so yeah. surreal. My, my the, the the thing my gateway for it initially is uh, that little uh, Oculus uh, Story Studio thing, Henry, about the little uh, oh, yeah. the little porcupine who just wants to be hugged. Yeah, right? and, and it's it's so it's narrated by I think Elijah Wood, um, and it's just utterly charming. And you know, just I love putting people in it and seeing their reaction. But again, like I you know I hear I I don't have the Quest Two. I hear it's great. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing about VR is you know. There's always all these gateway problems with it, you know, like in regards to, mm. you know, the the tethering and the setup and, you know, you get the, the, the Vive towers behind me and things like that. And, you know, uh, way back in the day, uh, you know, Brandon Aribi, who was, uh, you know, one of the guys running Oculus, um, you know, he showed me a prototype where you could basically, you know, take an actual like Samsung phone and strap it to your face. Is kind of low cost, low key VR, and wow. that's the other problem with VR is all of the people who just slap out crappy VR experiences, right? And because mm-hmm. you know VR when it works is, is transcendent, it's amazing. It but is. there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, you still don't have your VR stomach, and you know Jason Rubin, you know over there was basically saying like all these little roller coasters and all these jump scare things, like they're not good for VR. You know, right. like, and, and and the problem is again, you have this this culture of you know YouTubers, and you know, like PewDiePie was built on you know jump scare stuff of Slenderman. Oh, don't you knock at me? This is Slenderman, that kind of stuff, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and over overacting, overreacting on YouTube, right? It's it's its own industry. The thumbnails, I cannot stand, by the way. Um, <laughs> same, but v, VR kind of fed into that a little bit because, like, give me a roller coaster, or, you know, give me the give me the big jump scares, and oh my god, yeah. I'm gonna overact and get you know get more hits and things like that. But you know, VR should be a shared social transcendent experience as opposed mm-hmm. to a, a a scary, in my opinion, a scary or a nausea-inducing kind of experience, right? You've had a hand in so many things and so many projects that have touched people, you know, even like Sonya with Jazz Jackrabbit. What does that mean to you? That's the thing is, it's the sense of community. It's kind of like, you know, when, you know, work when I worked in video games and, you know, and people getting tattoos of things. It's actually my Facebook memories reminded me of like, there was a Kotaku uh, editor that had a Jazz Jackrabbit tattoo. Oh. And, and I'm, it's not, just I'm not like, far off of getting one. Don't worry. Uh, it's around uh, the corner. <laughs> Sonia, if you do it, I will pay for it. Oh, <laughs> you heard it here. Yeah, just don't. It's a here. neck tattoo. I'll throw in also. <laughs> yeah, just don't, just don't get it on your lower back. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Damn it, that's where I was going. But, but yeah, I mean, even like as much as Lawbreakers didn't get traction, um, you know, grand opening, grand closing, as Jay Z said, um, <laughs> there's still a few people out there that have a tattoo about it. People, you know, meeting online in a game that you created, and then you know, becoming best friends or falling in love, or you know, like in, I don't know how many like soldiers have, have talked to me about how weirdly Gears of War helped with their PTSD. Right. And like, you know, and, you know, like, like I said, you know, like, like idiocracy, I like money. Right. But it's like, yeah, that, that other stuff is really what, what, what makes it all worthwhile. Right. Yeah. That's the real payment. I mean, and and again, it's like, I I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I think the three of us could just agree that being creative and being able to make something that other people connect with on an emotional level is like, the greatest get. I mean, that that is. I feel grateful for that every day. I'm 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 an enormous being a Broadway nerd. I'm an enormous Rent fan. Um, it's like every other day I wake up with a Rent in my head. You know, like Love You. I know almost all the lyrics to Love You, Bohem, and everything like that. Awesome. Um, but you know, it's basically like you know, the opposite of war isn't peace; it's creation, right? Which is what Jonathan Larson and that whole story is so bittersweet because he passed from HIV AIDS related complications right before the the show opened. Um, 
And, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing about video games and musicals, though. There's actually a fair amount of overlap. It's a miracle that a musical can go off, go on without a hitch eight times a week with the amount of the lighting effects, the, the, the smoke, the, the choreography, the costumes, the props, you know, the singing, of course, the live orchestra, things like that. It's the same thing with the video games. The fact that, you know, the, you know, the, the characters, the outfits, the music, you know, the, the interactivity. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, Cliff, this has been such a thrill for us and, and we're almost out of time, but we love to end every interview with, uh, our guests favorite game and least favorite game. So okay. like your be- best game. Worst I'm still game. disappointed. I thought this was going to be hot ones. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> we can, I mean, well, I'll take shots of hot sauce. Yeah, exactly. No, seriously. Right. <laughs> I got macaroons. I don't know. Um, so uh, favorite game of all time. I, I've said this before. I've said it a million times is Tetris. Tetris oh, was fun when yeah. it first came out. Tetris will be fun um, 3000 years from now. Um, and it's fun fact. When I first started dating Lauren, she was actually really good at Tetris on the DS. And I, she taught, I didn't know what the T spins were. Right. And so, you know, I was, you know, again, in the Nintendo world championships when I was 15 for Tetris. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I came in second in Massachusetts and the kid who beat me was from Jer- Jersey. That was some bullshit. And, uh, <laughs> But basically, like, you know, I, I knew I was in love with her when we were sitting at, at a resort in Mexico, both playing, you know, versus on our, our DSs with Tetris, Aww. right? She, she, she was like the only person who could beat me, right? Oh, my um, God. And then uh, the worst game ever is a game, a re- really rare little game on the original Nintendo Entertainment System called Athena. Um, it was a side scroller where you're supposed to be like Athena and it was like buggy, clunky. Like when I was younger, I used to pride myself on being able to beat any video game. Like I beat ghosts and goblins, ghouls and ghosts, uh, deadly towers, all that Whoa. stuff. Like I, I literally had like a list on the back of my bedroom door and I have my Nintendo original Nintendo up there, uh, which Jeremy Sneed did a documentary about Nintendo where I show it off and I did hash marks on the side of the Nintendo, like a fighter pilot, right? Just to show off the games that I beat, but I could never beat fucking Athena. And to, uh. it's still to this day, like the worst game like ever made. Another pet peeve of mine, by the way, is a barcade open in town. And when it first opened, the majority of the games were on emulators and the, the controls were kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And it, it 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 didn't matter. The place was crushing it because people who didn't really care about the games would go and just kind of be half hammered and play them. Yeah. I, I went to play Qbert and you couldn't move diagonally. Uh, What's well, the that's, point that's, of Qbert? That's the entirety of the game. Exactly. It's like Mario and you can't jump for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, my oh. God. Unreal. Yeah, no, this, this has been fun, guys. This has been so good. And when I when I finally go to get my uh, my Jazz Jackrabbit tattoo, I'll, uh, I'll hit you up. I will absolutely uh, <laughs> Venmo you the money. Man, you know, there's I just love talking to people like Cliff who are just so inspiring. I mean, man, that guy is just he's doing it all. He's doing it all. It's his world. We're just living in it, you know? We are, and he is doing it all, including potentially paying for my future Jazz Jackrabbit tattoo. So thanks so much, Cliff, for my new ink and for joining us today. And make sure to follow him on Twitter at TheRealCliffyB. And now stick around because when we come back, we are joined by 13 Reasons Why star Devin Druid to get the scoop on what games make him rage quit. We'll be right back. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited to welcome back to the podcast one of our very favorite people, Devin Druid. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, everybody. Hey. What's up, man? Uh, we we thought we'd, we'd have you back today to discuss one of the things that Sonia and I love most, which is rage quitting. Uh, and Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so... Now, now, Devin, do you rage quit? What is your, what's your experience? Do you get furious at games? Are you chill? Yeah, I was excited to have you back because I know that you're like the sweetest baby angel and I cannot imagine you getting angry at all. Oh, 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 interesting. (laughs) Mind if I subvert your expectations a little? Um, Please. No, I mean, no. Okay, so I, I'll i be honest. I don't rage quit as much anymore. I definitely did a lot when I was younger and a little, I don't know. One thing that I think I've come to learn, even outside of video games, one of my biggest, I guess, irritants, like things that really annoys me out of anything is a lack of consistency. Um, mm. So I, I've realized that like consistency is like such a big part of my life and having like, you know, and, and so... Long story short, when I have a video game that gives me a set of rules and then does not adhere to those rules consistently, <laughs> I will get annoyed. If you tell me to press a button at X time in order to do something and I do it and it doesn't work, <laughs> I get frustrated. So, uh, yeah. Is, I, is there like a good game that you uh, that comes to mind when... <laughs> I feel like recently, I mean, I I played a lot of Fall Guys when that was super popping a couple months ago. And I feel like, but that's also frustrating too, because it's like, I can't, I can't blame the game entirely because that's the whole like premise of the game. Like the whole thing is supposed to be like wonky. It's supposed to be like a little loose, a little, yeah, yeah. Exactly. There was a, there was a game that I played a little bit called um, Totally Accurate. Battlegrounds? Oh, I think. Battle Simulator? Totally accurate. No, it was it was like a PUBG. Oh, uh, interesting. Like April Fools game. It's this company that it's like this developer company that always makes like April Fools games. Okay, I guess they <laughs> will. Very, they will very specific. I love yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> they basically they will take like whatever games are super popular at the time, and they'll make their own crazy wonky one with like crazy physics. Your character will like walk <laughs> around looking like Gumby and looking like a wacky inflatable <laughs> arm flailing tube man sort of thing. Um, and so it, I, I guess part of part of Fall Guys kind of reminded me of that, where it's everything the physics and everything it's it's designed for like you to have fun and kind of do it's one thing but also like be silly and kind of flop over like you're trying to jump and sprint in gta and your character just falls over Um, (laughs) you're just running sideways yeah and then just yeah exactly but the thing of fall guys is like it's while it is made to be like that at the same time you're like but i know what i need to do right it's wsad and and jump so easy I mean, I guess I know it's a it. grab too, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. It seems so simple. It, it's sadistic that right that something that a game with loose physics and like bendy bodies is also a competition game is also like a battle royale. Yes, game. makes you because the thing is like I, I what's interesting is like in a sport if you play a sport you can hone 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 your skills, but in Fall Guys I feel like there's a ceiling to which even like the top 
of the top tier players can only be so good because exactly and then the rest is luck it's the rest luck. is down to yeah. luck yeah it's really luck which is like a recipe for psychosis <laughs> yeah that's and that's crazy. that's the thing that then starts to make me rage quit is this thing where it's like i want to succeed on my own merit without you know other factors jumping in on it yeah which is where i don't know i feel like that's kind of the one of the larger discrepancies between video games and then physical games or sports or something like Jenga. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Devin, I know that at the, off the top, you did uh, allude to maybe we've we've grown uh, in our in our gamer worlds and we've we've come a little bit more calm, but it hasn't always been that way. No, I've never gotten to the point of breaking a controller, though. That's good. Yeah. I've never That's broken a controller. I was one of those kids that for some reason would when I was a really little kid before I I understood how money worked and how replacing expensive things worked. I was one of those kids that would like chew the rubber off of like my DualShock controllers. <laughs> what? I know. I everyone listening is going to be like you are the worst type of person. But I I don't you know, I would just have a little chunk of rubber out of my like PS2 joystick. Yeah, it was horrible. And then imagine trying to like, I remember trying to play, might have been like Final Fantasy 7 or something. It was Final Fantasy 7. At the time on my PS2, I had a PS2 Slim. It, it had a horrible thing where you had to contort the power connector at like a 90 oh. degree angle and hold oh. it in so that it would stay turned on. Sick. Um, it was to the point where you had to take the power cable, wrap it around the entire console so that it would uh, stay keep in it place. tight. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I've had one of it those. was the worst. Yeah. I hated it. Um, but it was, yeah, like Final Fantasy VII, Kingdom Hearts 2. I remember trying to fight against. There was a member of Organization 13 called Luxord who has all these cards. Um, oh my gosh. And I, I, I probably talked about it last time I was here too because it's just such a visceral triggering moment for my gamer life <laughs> of there's a character in Kingdom Hearts 2 named Demix. He's a boss that you fight and he has a sitar that he plays and he conjures water into these these enemies that you have to battle and there's like a hundred of these water enemies that you have to defeat in 60 seconds, 90 seconds, whatever it is. And just, I don't know who the voice actor is. I should look it up because he's still haunting my dreams. Um, and the character just goes like, dance, water, dance. And just like attacks you. And if you don't complete it, you just have to keep going. And the quote just keeps replaying. And that's probably the worst part of those boss battles. It's just that you're like, I know what you're saying. It's when you get to the boss fight and there's that unskippable cutscene, And you're like, I know, I know. I've already been killed five times. I know what I'm doing. You're like, I've been I here. I know before. what you're gonna say. I already know. Dance, water, dance. And you're trying to bite, you're trying to fight them, and, and your your fingers slipping off the joystick because you chewed half it off. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole experience. I, I will say that's something, you know what? It's interesting you bring that up, Devin, because that's something that I I'm just now realizing that really makes me want to rage quit. That and we haven't really talked about this is unskippable cutscenes. That might be the worst. Oh, the worst. Oh. That might be the okay. worst. Like, you know, and I think about things like, you know, when we taped a, a Clueless Gamer with Skyrim, that first cutscene, which is now a meme, where you're like in the The meme wedding, one, yeah. You know, like, oh, I see you've woke, you've woke it up or whatever. That's 15 minutes long. Weary traveler. Yeah, you're weary traveler. <laughs> yeah. And you can't <laughs> skip it. And we had to keep playing that over and over. And it's just, oh. it's, yeah, the unskippable cutscenes are awful. 
It's so at bad. least it makes sense on older gens because they can use the cutscenes to start rendering out levels and stuff in the background. Right. But in 2021, <laughs> if you, if I'm not able to skip your cutscene, I don't know what you're doing wrong. Yeah. Listen, even back in uh, when was Ocarina of Time? Was it 98? 99, yeah. something like that. Even back then. When oh, you got, when I was born? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'm old. Uh, when you're playing, uh, I can't remember where it is, but you talk to that owl and you it's such a long dialogue. It's like 15 different sections that you have to skip through. And then if you accidentally, if you're just hammering through it and button mashing it and you accidentally press A again, it just goes through the whole thing oh, no. all over again. It is so, it's so That's annoying. That's when you need like a confirmation screen. Are you sure you want to, you would like to redo this dialogue <laughs> sequence? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just triple check. Wow. Well, consistency and, and unskippable cutscenes. Frankly, mm-hmm. by the way, those are great. Like I, I'm realizing you're, Devin, you're awakening a new parts of anger inside myself. <laughs> Be consistent. <laughs> I know. I love it. Well, that'll do it for this week. If, of course, if you have any questions, video game requests, or you just want us to prescribe you a video game, write in at Good Game Nice Try on Twitter or use hashtag GGNT. We'll see y'all next time. Good Game Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Will Beckton, with engineering and sound design by Chester Guasta. Music by John Danik. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.